Thank you for engaging today's message with Wind River Community Church. Our prayer for you is that you will encounter Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. May this encourage you in connecting with other people who follow Jesus as well as knowing you are not alone. If you would like prayer, please text us at 307-240-8742 or if you would like more information about this program or past messages, visit our website at windriverchurch.com. I look forward to hearing what God is doing in your life. And now, here is today's message. Good morning, Wind River Community Church. Good to see you this morning. So glad to be a part of you. Yeah, you noticed right away, I ain't from around here. That's right. But uh, I am so thrilled to be here. Uh, uh, Thank you as a church, for one thing, for loving your pastor, for giving your pastor this time. I've been in pastoral ministry for 36 years now, and it means so much to know that you give him that kind of support, because he's going to be stronger, he's going to be fresher, he's going to be so much more ready to be such a, uh, a servant leader in this church when he gets back from this time. So let me just say from a, from a pastor brother's heart, thank you for doing that. And also, let me say thank you for taking care of my daughter and my son-in-law when we can't do it right now. We're out here, Taylor and Jacob here, my daughter and son-in-law, they, and they've been living here for just over a year now. And one thing that we prayed for when we knew God was leading them to come out this direction to do what they're doing is God give them a good church. Give them a good solid church where they'll know your love through your people and where they can be fed God's word and they can just continue to grow. And Taylor's just glad to have a pastor besides me at some time in her life. So, yeah, so that, that blesses her. So, uh, so we're so thrilled. But, yeah, when, uh, when Pastor Kim was going to be away, he found out we were going to be out here. He, uh, he sent word to me, asked me, would you be willing to preach? And, man, yeah, I'd be willing to preach. Uh, excited about being able to come. We were here last year. We came and worshiped with you, and we're just so thrilled. And uh, so hopefully there's nothing uh, about us being regionally different with the way I talk and the way you listen that's going to be a barrier here. You know, and, and I, had a, a profe- I went to seminary at Southeastern Seminary, which is in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And uh, the, the Wayne McDeal was the professor of preaching there at Southeastern Seminary. And I remember in one class that I had with him, after I got down uh, back in my seat after doing a presentation in front of the class, he said, young man, if, you ever gonna keep, if, you, if you're going to keep preaching, you might as well plan on staying down home. <laughs> now, that'll bless your socks off right there, that's for sure. That, you just stay down home. And for the most part, I have. But So uh, I, I have this opportunity now to come and preach here today. You know what? Even Suzanne said, be careful. Try not to say some of those down-home things that they won't know what you're talking about, you know? So, you know what I've decided? I'm going to be me, and y'all going to be y'all, and God is God, and Jesus is our Lord, and we're family. And I sense that. What a great family experience I've already had just worshiping. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, these kids down here know how to worship. Uh, I want to take them back with me, you know, because they know how to worship, man. I, I recognize some square dancing going on over here long ago. I, Holy Ghost square dancing. And I recognize that right there. So I'm just thrilled. So we're just going to get into God's Word. You didn't come hear me talk about all this kind of stuff. So uh, I want you to be finding Colossians chapter 1. I believe with all my heart God has given me a message to speak to the church today. 
And I'm talking about us because we're the church, capital C, the body of Christ. And so uh, we're going to look at a message that we desperately need to hear in the times that we are living, in the times that we're ministering. And so I'm going to begin by reading from Colossians chapter 1 and reading verses 1 through 14. And then I invite you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to be digging back into some of these verses together and uh, see what God has to say to the church today. I'm calling this message, Making Much of Jesus. Because that's the bottom line of everything that we're to be doing as the church today. Just keep on making much of Jesus. And so if you are able to do so, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 and reading down through verse 14. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all the patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the night. He has declared, or excuse me, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. God bless you, and you may be seated this morning. It's amazing to me how you can begin to study a, a, a culture, you can begin to study a church, you can begin to, to, to study an area of the world 2,000 years ago. And to see the, the kind of circumstances that the church was trying to minister in the midst of 2,000 years ago and then move forward in time to our day as being the church today in the times that we are ministering in. And it's amazing how you can see so many similarities. There's a lot of things that still have not changed from what the church was facing and dealing with 2,000 years ago to our time today. Let me just give you a quick step-by-step, uh, -step, just for a few moments, and I won't, I won't talk about everything, but just to kind of give you an idea of Colossae 2,000 years ago. Listen to this. In Colossae 2,000 years ago, very, very challenging circumstances that Paul, under God's Holy Spirit's inspiration, was writing to this church at Colossae. Because in Colossae, there was, a, there was a, a tremendous permissiveness when it came to the thing of 
sexual morality or uh, really sexual immorality is a, a better way to talk about the environment of the culture in Colossae 2,000 years ago. And man, I'm telling you, that's just putting it mildly for what they were facing in that time. In Colossae 2,000 years ago, there was also a tremendous fascination with things like astrology, things like demonology, uh, things like the spirit world. Now, when I say the spirit world, you understand that not every spirit that is at work in this world today is of the Holy Spirit. You understand that, don't you? There's a lot of spirits that are at work, and that's why the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1, not every spirit is of God. Test the spirits. Test the spirits to see that they are of God. Well, they really weren't worried about it in Colossae 2,000 years ago, just the spirit world in general. A very big fascination. They also, in Colossae 2,000 years ago, had a tremendous fascination or, uh, uh, of, of religious ideas, a, a combination, really, of every little, just a little nugget of this religion and that, a little nugget from that religion and, and just put them all together. And it was, a, it was a big idea that, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Just bring your belief and we'll put them all together. And, and because their, their, their idea they were promoting is, oh, we're all going to the same place anyway. So it doesn't matter really what you believe. And oh, my goodness, it was a, a terrible thing that the church was facing in that time. In Colossae, 2,000 years ago, there was also a confusion among marriage roles. I mean, the, the roles of, uh, of husband and the roles of a wife in marriage, a, a blurring of the lines, again, to put it mildly. Uh, you know, and, and that led to the collapse of the family unit as a whole. In Colossae, 2,000 years ago. Now, folks, what I've been describing to you is Colossae, 2,000 years ago. But let me ask you something, Wind River. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what was happening then. But, I mean, this could have been written down for us this morning. That's exactly a description of what we're dealing with, of what we're ministering in the midst of, and, and, and the environment that we have been called to lift up the standard of God's Word. Now, you add to that... All the common things that every church family faces, all the struggles that every church family, best church family in the world, still going to have struggles. You know why? Because they got people. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, they got people. And, and anytime people begin to serve together, there's always going to be a friction Eventually, there's going to be some friction among even the family of God. And uh, y'all understand what getting on each other's nerves means, don't you? We, get on e we love each other in Jesus because Jesus said we had to. You know, we're going to serve him. But we get on each other's nerves. Or as we say where I'm from, you're getting on my last nerve. When my mama would look at me and say, son, you're getting on my last nerve. I knew it was time to back off. Yeah, it was time to back up a little. And, and so we face those struggles. We love each other, but we got to learn how to, how to work together and work through the difficulties. There's nothing that we can't work through when Jesus is Lord of the church. You know, there's, there were struggles that they faced in Colossae, like allowing the worldly values, and y'all understand what I mean, worldly. I'm talking about those, the world system that has separated itself from God and letting those values creep into the church and, and cause us to begin to lower the standard of God's word. That was a struggle then. It's uh, certainly happening among the church today. There was the challenge of, of personal suffering among the people of God. 
that we go through difficulties. Even the people of God, even the faithful people of God go through difficulties. And yet the challenge is facing all the difficulties and the challenges of life while all the time holding up the truth that God is still good. That's easier to preach than it is to live. But he is good even when things are bad. And everything's not always good, child of God. Get over this whole thing of saying that if you're a faithful child of God, then there's nothing bad going to happen. We're in a fallen world, and there is bad around us. Y'all ever heard anybody use the phrase, it's all good? A lot of people down my way, it's all good. Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's all good. Let me tell you something. It ain't all good. <laughs> Romans 8, 28, I got scripture for that. Does it say that all things are good if you love God who are called according to his purpose? Is that what Romans 8, 28 says? For we know that all things, what? That's huge, isn't it? Work together for good. I mean, you allow the grace of God to mix in with the challenges of our life. And ultimately, there is God's glory. And there is our good because of the grace of God. And yet, it's a struggle, isn't it? That we continue to battle in this life and yet uphold the standard and the belief in our own heart so we can share with others, God is always good. No matter what. So whether it was the church at Colossae 2,000 years ago, whether it was A.D. 60 or so, or whether it is A.D. 2022, we face many of the same struggles. And it was in the midst of all that that God's Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter to the church at Colossae. And he's, he's writing from a heart. If you know anything about his testimony, he's writing from a heart that has obviously been changed and warmed by Almighty God. The first two verses of chapter 1, you see it in these verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I mean, this is Paul, the apostle who had been Saul of Tarsus. And now look at this change of heart. Uh, by the will of God. And, to, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints. Now, don't let that word throw you or intimidate you. The saints, that's just save people. People saved by grace, okay? To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's, he's writing from this heart that is a, a pastoral heart, a heart that's been warmed and changed by Jesus. Now, Colossae had been a major city. Colossae had been a very progressive city. It had been a commercially and economically strong city. But by the time Paul wrote this letter, both the city and the church were just struggling to survive. They were just struggling to survive. So what in the world do you say to a church like that in a time like that? Well, whatever it is you say to a church in a time and a situation like that, we need to hear it. We need, I need to hear this. We need to hear it as the church today. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gave a message that we need to hear. Hear this this morning, Wind River Community Church. The success of a church is not necessarily measured by numerical and financial growth. Now don't misunderstand that. I, I want to see chairs have to be brought in because so many people are hungry for what God's doing at Wind River Community Church. So I'm not anti-crowd. And I'm not anti-giving either. I mean, the Bible calls us to do that. I'd love to see it the, 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 that you become so generous that when Pastor Ken gets back from sabbatical, he says, my goodness, what are we going to do with all this money that people have been giving? We've got we to find some ministry here that this can go to. So I'm not anti-giving. I'm not anti-crowd. But what I'm saying is this. A church is measured in the eyes of Almighty God. A church is measured by its faithfulness to Christ and by its witness to a lost world. 
our faithfulness to Christ, even when others may not be, we're going to be faithful. Faithfulness to Christ and witness to a lost world. And when circumstances around them are declining and when the whole society has lost its way, this kind of church we're talking about this morning just keeps on making much of Jesus. When things keep getting darker and darker around us, this is a church that keeps shining the light in these darkened times and keeps on making much of Jesus. Now, there, there are a lot of churches that have chosen the wrong things to make much of. Their programs, their staff, their facilities, uh, their you know, programs, all those kind of things. Nothing wrong with any of those things in their proper context. But that's not what we're called to make much of. We're called to, to, to use all those things to keep on making much of Jesus. I pastored a church some years ago that illustrates... One particular thing from that church's past, let me say that church now has moved well beyond what I'm about to share with you, but I, I, they, they were guilty at that time for making much of their little program, uh, making much of their little personalities and making much of their little thing, y'all with me? And, and, and that's what begins to, 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 to bring division. I was, I was visiting a homebound member. She was not able to come anymore because of her age and her health. And it would not allow her to be a part of the church anymore. So I was going around. I was still fairly new at that church and still meeting some of our homebound members. And so I went by because I'd heard so much about the, 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 the mission group that she had led years earlier in that church. It was, it was called a ladies' circle. I don't know if that term means anything to you, but it was a mission group. Let me put it in my air quotes right there. A mission group. And they would meet. They would have their mission study. Then they would do a little craft, and then they would end with a meal, okay? Yeah, it was a Baptist church, so they had to have a meal there. And so they had a meal, had their, their you know, so, so they did that every time. Well, I was, she was sharing with me all, uh, some of that, and, and, and I was standing there just kind of sitting in my chair and listening to her tell these things, and, and she was, something's got me. Okay. But uh, she was telling me all those things, and she began to talk about how one day, they had gotten through with their mission study. And I keep using that. You'll know why in just a minute. Their mission study and had their craft and they were sitting down to have their, their meal together. And the community that that church was in was a community in transition. Let me just say it this way. It was, it was changing racially. It was changing socioeconomically. And there were a lot of needy people who were living in that community. What we would view as what? A mission field to minister in the midst of and reach out to. Well, they were sitting down and had their food spread out, their banquet spread before them. And they said, she, she told me, she said, Pastor Gary, she said, I noticed, we began to notice that some of the kids from the neighborhood began to come up and they were looking inside the windows and looking through the windows at us with our food there. And she said, I knew right away what I needed to do. She said, I began to raise money. She said, I went from group to group and Sunday school class to Sunday school class and I was making up money because I knew what we needed to do. And she said, finally, we had the money that we needed for the project that we were going to do. And I'm sitting on the edge of my seat by then. I'm just taking it in, you know, with this lady. And she said, and then, Pastor Gary, we used all that money that we raised to buy. And I'm trying to finish the sentence for her. I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, food, 
uh, to say, we're going to get extra food. We're going to open those doors and say, kids, don't just look through the window. Come on in. We love you in the name of Jesus. We want to feed you and, and love you in Jesus' love. Come on in. Oh, we, we use that money, Pastor Gary, to buy, and I'm thinking clothes because those kids don't have the money. Their families don't have the money to buy very many clothes at all of any kind. So we're going to do that. She finished the sentence as I'm perched on the edge of my seat with tears almost in the corner of my eye. She said, Pastor Gary, we use that money to buy blinds for the windows. I felt like I had been kicked in the stomach. I immediately felt nauseous. And I thought to myself, You've been in here doing a mission study about people on the other side of the world when God sent the mission field to the very shadow of the steeple of this church and they're looking in and just ready for somebody to love them in the love of Jesus and, and share with them a meal so you can share with them the gospel. But what do you do? You don't share with them the gospel. You buy blinds to put up on the window so when they're looking in you can close the blinds and you don't have to see their faces. God help us. I have a sermon series that I won't have time to preach today, okay? Called, What Have We Done to God's Church? And, and listen, friends, the mission field is, is all over Lander. And more and more of the mission field is coming here. I wanted to leave that house and go home and rip those blinds, or go to the church and rip those blinds down off the window. I didn't. Maybe I should have. But that's what happens when you begin to make much of the wrong things. See, while, while programs and staff and things like that, they have their place, the number one priority as we function and minister as the church is just to keep on making much of Jesus. So there, there are two things now. And I know I've been preaching for a while. Sometimes my, uh, my introduction is longer than my sermon, so don't get nervous. I'm on East Coast time, so my belly's telling me it's about 1 o'clock right now, so I'm not, I'm not going to preach too long. But two things I want to draw out of this with you this morning before we go. Number one, I want you to notice this is a prayer of thanks. A prayer of thanks. Go back to verses 3 through 8. He says, we give thanks. You see it? We give thanks. Thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. This is a prayer of thanks. You know, listen, the things that we give thanks for has a lot to say about who we are. The things that we give thanks for has a lot to say about what's important to us. And here in these verses, Paul, I believe, serves as a great role model for believers today. He lets us see a little bit into his heart. He reveals 
some things that are important to him. I mean, just in verse 3, he gives thanks for God the Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ, for prayer. He's thankful for those things. And then he gets down to verses 4 through 8 and just begins to just unload on some things. I mean, here are the things from those verses he's thankful for. He talks about the church, and he talks about faith, and he talks about love and hope and heaven and the gospel and bringing forth fruit and the grace of God and truth and the Spirit I mean, all those things that he mentions in those verses. Hey, and all those things are all found only in Jesus Christ. All those found. And that's why his life was about making much of Jesus. What did Paul just say? For to me to live is Christ. My life is Christ. And it was all about making much of him. You could tell by looking at the things that Paul was thankful for that nothing was more important to him than just making much of Jesus. Hey, let me ask you. Don't answer out loud, but I want you to answer. How about when people look at you? Don't answer out loud, but answer that question in your own heart. How about when people look at you? Do they obviously know what is important to you when they look at you? My wife, Suzanne, is here with me. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say anything. But, uh, and I always get permission before I talk about her in a sermon too. Yeah, so I have permission. But let me tell you something. There's so much more to know about my wife than this. But let me share something with you. My wife has jury duty more than any other human being that I have ever known in my life. I'm 60 years old. I've had jury duty one time in my entire life. And that's just, I don't know, a couple years back now. When I, but she, I mean, it's like it's almost every other weekend. She must be a good one. Because she has jury duty so many times. She was filling out a questionnaire for some sort of a grand jury thing that she was going to have to serve on. And, and, and so she, among the questions that she was asked, she said, Gary, you know what they're asking me on this thing? She said, they're asking me this question. What kind of bumper stickers do you have on your car? I said, what? What kind of bumper stickers? And I thought, how? I mean, how, how ridiculous is that? What in the world would they ask? How, and then I thought about it. Well, how about that? We think about things, you know. Y'all might want to try that sometime too because I, I did that day finally. And, 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 and I thought, well, you know, it's not that far off the mark because what you put on your vehicle as a sticker, if you're going to go as far as putting a sticker on your vehicle, it's something you're willing to do what? Promote. It's something that you're willing to make much of. In other words, when you put it out there on your vehicle, and guys, especially if it's your pickup truck, say amen right there. Yeah, you don't put just anything, you don't put just anything on there. But you're willing to put something on there that, that means much to you that you want to make much of. You see the little stick family stickers on the back, little stick daddy, little stick mama, little stick kids, and even a stick cat and a stick dog, right? Yeah, you see, you see those things that are there. And that's just saying, I'm willing to make much of my family. You know, I love my family. I'm willing to put these stickers on. Yeah, a sports team or a college, a business. Uh, if you're pulling for this uh, political candidate, you're willing to put that out there. And because you're willing to advertise, this is something I am willing to make much of. I was in downtown Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville is one of our larger cities in the state, in the upstate, not far from where I live. I was in downtown Greenville, Main Street, sitting at a red light behind a car that had so many bumper stickers. Not just on the bumper, okay? There were stickers all over this car, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm whatever, what, what little part of the car I could see, I'm thinking, you pull them stickers off there, that car fall apart in the road right here. 
I said, you know, I'm a duct tape guy, but you know, they were, they were holding it together with, with just all those stickers that were there. So you know what you do? I'm sitting there, there's a long red light, and I'm reading. What's important to this person I'm reading? Uh, one sticker on there said, outlaw hunting. <laughs> I don't even know you, and I know that upsets you. Outlaw hunting. And that, yeah, that's not a brand name. That's saying make it illegal to hunt, put meat in the freezer, all that kind of thing. Outlaw hunting. And right down below that outlaw hunting was a sticker that said keep abortion legal. Outlaw hunting. Don't eat or don't kill the animals. Make it illegal to kill the animals that we hunt and that we, 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 we eat. We, we have that meat in the freezer so we can provide for our family. Outlaw hunting, keep abortion legal. In other words, here's a person that's making much of the message. Don't, we don't, don't kill animals, but keep on killing the innocent pre-born human beings. And I'm thinking, how do you reconcile that? And there's no use to answer because you can't reconcile that. And I, it, it upset me so bad, I drove home and I told Suzanne I, about the stickers that I'd seen on that car. And I said, I'm going to find me a bumper sticker somewhere. And my bumper sticker I'm going to put on the back of my car. It's going to say, it's going to say, protect the innocent pre-born babies and cook me a steak. <laughs> Woo, we're going to have revival here this morning, I can tell you that. What you're willing to put a sticker on, you're willing to make much of. You're advertising what you're willing to make much of in your life. Well, let me ask you a serious question, church. What are you making much of in your life? What are the things that you are openly thankful for? Let me ask you it this way. What are the so-called bumper stickers of your life that advertise to the people who are watching you and People are watching you. When you name the name of Christ as your Savior, people are watching you. Let me ask you it this way. Are you only interested in making much of you? I don't want you. Listen, I want you to answer that question too in your own heart. Are you only making much of you? Many people are today, and that's when troubles creep into a church. When people begin to make it about themselves. Hear this message this morning. To make much of Jesus means you got to make less of you. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase. Finish it for me, church. I must decrease. You can't make much of you and make much of Jesus. Paul prayed a prayer of thanks for these Colossian believers because in their verses 4, 5, and 6, their faith, their love, their hope, their bearing spiritual fruit, what were they doing? They were making much of Jesus and they were bringing glory to God because when we're making much of Jesus, God's going to get the glory for that. Prayer of thanks. One more thing I want you to see. Not only a prayer of thanks, but also a prayer of petition. You know what a petition prayer is? A petition prayer is an asking prayer. That's what it means when we talk about petitioning God for this. It's an asking prayer. And there is a place in our life for asking of God, right? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So we're to ask of God. But I want you to notice this. The order in this is written is very important. Notice that the thanks comes before the asking. So important. The reason some of you are so frustrated in your life is all of your prayer life is just asking, God, give me this and God, give me that. And God, I want this and God, I want that. And God. You know, God wants us to share those things with him. But don't make it all about that. 
First of all, we need to thank him for what he's already blessed us with. So the thanks comes first and then the prayer of petition. Verses 9 through 14, look at them there quickly. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of his of the son of his love in whom we have redemption he bought and paid for us redemption that's what that means through his blood the forgiveness of sins so paul is praying and he's asking for spiritual benefits if we can put it that way spiritual benefits for those colossian believers and the primary benefit that he is praying for is that they would, verse 9, be filled with the knowledge of his, God's will. Now, for Paul, God had revealed his will in his son. The will of God had been revealed in the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The will of God, it's not some secret that we have to try to pry out of God. Some people have that idea of God that God's sitting up in heaven like, yeah, I got a will for you, but I ain't going to let you know. (laughs) Is that really the character of God? Oh, no, 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 no. You know, is it State Farm Insurance that has those commercials that where the the old guy has got a rod and reel and a dollar hanging from a hook? With that rod and reel. Y'all have seen that State Farm commercial? Humor me, okay? Just work with me on this one. But uh, well, he's got a dollar and he's hanging it out in front of the person, you know. And the, the old guy, he looks at the, the people and he says, I got you a dollar, you know. And he's, he's hanging it in front of them, you know. And, and, and finally, in the commercial, they, they reach for it and the old fisherman snatches it away from them just in time. And he says, you got to be quicker. You almost had it that time, you know. I'm thinking, how ridiculous. That people have that kind of concept of God? Like our God who sent his son to be our savior and Lord would have his will and his blessings and, and, and that God would dangle those in front of us but as soon as we by faith reach for it he snatches it away and just laughs at us and says you almost got it that time. It's not God. It's not God. You see God wants us to know his will but to know his will we got to know his son we got to know Jesus. It's not as much about knowing God's will. Strange as that may sound, yeah, we need to know his will. The Bible's clear. But it's not as much about knowing God's will as it is about knowing Jesus. Because the more you know Jesus, the more you know God's will. <laughs> the more you are surrendered to him, the more you know the will of God. To surrender to God's will means you surrender to Jesus. I was having, this kind of was a, a life that came on with me not long ago. I was having a conversation about, and I used this phrase, of when I, as a 22-year-old young man, when I surrendered to preach. That's a common phrase back where I'm from, surrendered to preach. And I thought about that day when I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I didn't really surrender to preach. I surrendered to God. 
And when I surrendered to God, God said, preach. It's about surrendering to God. And when you surrender to God, you're willing to do what God leads you to do. If you only knew me, you know, and we don't have time to talk about that. But if you only knew me, how backward and shy. Yeah, ask my wife after church. She had to ask me out first. We're not going to get into that either. But I didn't really surrender to preach. It's not surrendering to a task. It's surrendering to God. And when you surrender to God, God can make known his task. And what God calls you to do, God equips you to do. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. So listen, it all gets back to our title, how we began this message. If you're interested in making much of God's will, then let your life be about making much of Jesus. And let this church, don't try to make it anything else. Let this church be about making much of Jesus. Our very testimony should be to know him and to make him known. That's what it boils down to. To know him and to make him known. A lady told a story about being on an airplane. She was a lost woman, didn't have any interest in God or hearing about the word of God. Well, God strategically put a, a witnessing Christian beside her in the seat next to her. And, yeah, you know, most people today, they get on the plane with earbuds and hoodies over and just trying to not be seen, you know. And sometimes you have actual conversation. And God orchestrated this where he began to talk to her small talk and then ask her about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, her first impulse was to be offended. <laughs> and, but, but then, you know, he continued to talk about this Jesus. Well, they had that conversation for much of the flight. When she got off and got her luggage, her husband, also an unbeliever, was there to welcome her and get her and take her away from the airport. Well, she shared with him, her husband, about the gentleman that had asked her about a relationship with Jesus Christ. He got mad. He said, well, I hope you told him it's none of his business. She looked at, this man, at her husband and said, Honey, if you had heard this man talk about Jesus, you would know that it is his business. Wow. Wind River Community Church, when we prioritize making much of Jesus, this community that this church is called to reach, this Jerusalem around this church, will know that the business of Wind River Community Church is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Keep making much of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for inspiring 2,000 years ago a letter that is as fresh as this very day. A message that not only had to do with the church at Colossae, but has every bit as much to do with the church at Wind River Community. I pray that we would not resist your message. I pray that we would not resent your message. 
But I pray that in the closing hours of this gathering time, we would surrender all of me to all of you. That the very spiritual bumper stickers of our life would make much of Jesus. That what we promote is knowing you and making you known. And that we would say yes to you because as we surrender to you, you'll show us always what's next and what you call us to. You have already by your spirit equipped us for. So now may we obey you and may we go forward to glorify you so that the lost may be found and those who have been saved may grow grow to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.